about 20 years in, my thumb gave out and I was just kind of struck dumb because this is all that I thought I would do was be a massage therapist. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. No matter what you do or where you are in your life right now, I'm pretty sure you've heard the word no more than once. And some of those no's might make you feel like you don't want to get out of bed. This podcast is here to tell you, you're not alone. If all these people can walk through the valley of no's to get to their yes, why can't you? Welcome back. If you're new, thank you for joining us. These episodes come out every Friday. You can get them at 10,000nos.com. That's the number 10,000-1000-NOS.com. What's even better is if you subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and get them downloaded automatically to your tablet or device. If you are digging this, please leave a review, spread the word. We really appreciate that. Uh, Today, I've got Heather Hayward with me, and she is a results coach, uh, called it an immersive experience leader. And she uses these simple, not always easy, but straightforward tools to help her clients, which range from artists to CEOs. Uh, she's got a special focus on entrepreneurs, and, and she uses neuroscience, guided meditation, and movement to help her clients identify their strengths and formulate a dynamic course of action to achieve their goals. She is extremely certified. I'm not even going to begin to try to cover it all. You can go to heatherhayward.com and see her certifications, uh, but really cool and down-to-earth and and articulate. And what I really enjoyed, many things I enjoyed, but uh, some of her clients are so uber successful. There are people that you would look at and you go, wow, they have it all. They're the people that go, I want to buy that company. And um, they, she has a vantage point on these people, which we got into a conversation about, you know, what is it that these people are not satisfied with, or they seem to have done everything, but it's still a feeling of, is this it? And it's a very human feeling. And that's kind of the point of this podcast is for all of us to see, hey, whoever you are, you've got your struggles, you've got your issues, but you still have to put one foot in front of the other. Uh, So I really dug our conversation. I hope you do too. Heather Hayward. Why don't you tell us what you do, how you would describe what it is that you do? Because you do a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, Okay. So to describe what I do, um, I've kind of created this little tagline. I'm the tour guide to go inside. Because whether it was when I first started out, um, when I was 20, I started out doing body work. And at the end of my um, massages, I would guide people to do a meditation and I would guide them back into their body and to kind of assimilate what had just transpired so that their jaw would stay open, their shoulders. Um, And 23 years in, about 20 years in, my thumb gave out and I was just kind of struck dumb because this is all that... I thought I would do was be a massage therapist. And I loved it. I love my clients. I loved the talking. Um, I love the, um, 
I was a dancer, professional dancer before. So I really loved keeping my athletes, my dancers, you know, back on stage, but always on the game, always on tour. And then it became, I worked with surgeons and then a lot of lawyers. I think I had like eight lawyers every single week. And when and they my, were getting massages, they were weekly. getting, yeah, weekly massage and very close relationships. They, they became my friends and my family. Um, one of them, um, paid for one of my weddings. I started getting married at 23, uh, <laughs> started getting married. St- yeah. Nice pastime. And so, uh, wonderful relationships. And so when my thumb started to hurt, uh, it kind of freaked me out because I was the breadwinner. I was divorced by this time and I was the breadwinner of my, um, family and my son and my husband. And, um, having your thumb hurt is just like not an option because there wasn't like, oh, I can lean back on or I can go back to, there was no plan B. And so clients kept saying to me, you should be a life coach. You should be a life coach. And back um, 19 years ago, that was just like, huh? I mean, it sounded- That's what I thought when I saw- Completely. I I was like 30. Four years or 30 years, did that exist? No, it did not exist. And so, um, and the reason why they kept saying, you know, you should, you should do this is because they said, I'm not seeing my therapist anymore. I wait for our massages. I wait for these journeys you take me on. I'm getting more out of this and I am talk therapy. And, um, and then it was just literally my body being more honest and courageous than I would mentally. And so I went to school. And um, became certified in life coaching and hypnotherapy and guided imagery and thought field therapy. And I just went overboard because I'm massively insecure. And I didn't want to miss out on any education that somebody else might have that I would want to be able to act like, well, I know how to do that. Right. So, um, and that was almost 15 years ago that I've been doing Okay, so how long of a time period was the education? Was it just non-matriculating? Like you'd go take a course over here for six weeks and then you take another one for uh, like a workshop or, or were you like going and getting like a two-year program that you were doing? How did that work? So I, um, with my coach, Carolyn McCormick, who um, also helped to produce Tony Robbins for a decade, um, she has since passed away with from cancer, but she had... Um, an in-depth immersion in person. Then she did a one year where you, she shadowed, you know, she mentored you. Okay. Um, and so I did that. And then I did a six month course of for hypnotherapy. And it was the last time that Dr. Jordan ever taught that private group. Uh, then I went on to um, different like two week workshops or two week intensives Um And then I came to a point in uh, about five years in where this woman, um, I did a workshop and there was a level one and I was all excited about doing level two. And so she looked at everything that I had acquired in terms of my certifications. And she said to me, what do you think you're going to get from level two that you don't already have with these, about that time, 10 different trainings? And I looked at her and I was like, uh, I don't know. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm, I should be selling you on level two. Cause that's what she was. She was the closer. Yeah. 
And she had more integrity than that. And she said to me, what if you took a year off and just mastered one of these trainings that you have and just stood in that? Never occurred to me to be a master of one, to really hone. And which one was that? It was the obvious one. It was a guided imagery guided meditation because I had been doing it with clients just naturally before I was ever trained for 20 years, 23 years. And, um, and then, then it was later that I, I filled in some of my education with HeartMath Institute, which I am now a trainer for them. And I, I love their work because it's a way to shift and reset within three minutes with your eyes wide open and you they have studied the electromagnetic field of the heart understanding that the heart is 5000 times more powerful than a thought so it's the ability to regulate that heart rate that brings you down and when you can regulate that then your thoughts become more clear and decisions easier to make so instead of saying an affirmation which is in between the ears which is not where we feel grounded it's a literal way to do a one two three thing technique that helps you to become as they call coherent and i say coherent is is when you're cohere the heart and the mind are in the same exact zip code the brain is always in that zip code but i say when our mind and our feelings our heart are in the same place that's when we are in that the flow state, we can experience spontaneity, we can have like this moment in time without any ego or feeling like, how am I sounding? Because I want to be here and I'm here. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's like a total engagement rather than, oh God, what am I doing? What time is it? Right. That split off thing. Doesn't, I think Tony Robbins has something, I don't know if he's quoting someone else or if he says it, but the the first signs of life. Everybody thinks that their mind is who they are, but he says your first sign of life is from the heartbeat. And so the heart is really the leader. The heart of, is everything. Yeah, which is... Yeah, I, and... The first time I heard that, I was like, huh, I had one of those moments, you know. Yeah, it's so it's so powerful and so easy to just tune into instead of... Um, trying to regulate all the thinking, thinking, thinking. If you just do heart-focused breath, slow breath, deep breath, and bring in a renewing feeling and just stay with that, it really does change how we respond. It gives us the ability to shift and reset. And I like it's, there's a whole thing about prepping before doing something. And the other reason why I love heart math is you can do it with your eyes open. Yeah. So even though I do guided meditations and all that stuff, I love the fact that it is so it's on the go resetting, on the go recalibration, because we're constantly inundated with information and everybody else's agenda. And Yeah, I'm just thinking what a powerful tool for an actor on set or going into an audition, because there are always so many distractions and so many, you know, when you're on a set, there are all of the different departments doing their jobs and and you have to stay focused and centered and get into a place where you can be in the moment from action to cut. What a valuable tool. So valuable. So that's something that you you train people or teach them how to mm -hmm. do that. that yeah, there are different. Reset. Exactly. There are different. Um, I'll utilize it whether I do um, a women's retreat or I do one-on-one. -on -one. I like to...
teach people the different ways that you can utilize the techniques and tools. And it's um, teenagers love it because they they're not going to want to admit, I mean, very few are going to follow mom into the room with a cushion and the sage and the right. candle. Um, but if you can teach them something that they can do while driving to school, you know, while with their friends, while they're about to take a test, that they can actually look at some documentation, some peer reviewed um, information that really substantiates why this works. And it's, it's, um, it's fun because they also have what is called inner balance and it's a little monitor that you put on your ear and you can see through whether it's an iPhone or on your computer, um, the, uh, technology to see if you are in a coherent state with your heart rate being low and slow. And then you can see if you are in a good state and relaxation does not mean a coherent state. It doesn't mean that you're emotionally settled because some people, they can be very relaxed and still ruminate. Yeah. I mean, how many times can you be relaxed in bed and ruminating? Oh yeah. And (laughs) me too. And what I love is the ability to have a relaxed state and then not ruminate, but reflect to be able to not, because I'm not an empty mind person. It's not my, it's not my job. (laughs) So I'm, but I do want to be able to reflect on what's going on and not be so entangled like a huge knot to, to be able to tease out and reflect, not ruminate. Yeah. Well, I have a couple of questions that have come from what you're saying. One, you kind of it sounds like instinctively started doing these guided meditations when you were giving people massage or was it when or, or after, right after the right massage? Right after, right after the massage. Okay. <clears throat> now what, walk me through that. How did that come about? Did you, was it total instinct of just trying to help your client in some way? And that came to you? Had you read about it? Had you, what, what was the deal there? Cause it sounds like you did it and then you went and got trained so you could see what it was you were doing, but you kind of did it yourself on your own. Right. So my um, grandmother, uh, when I was five years old, she used to take me on journeys and she used to have me sit and then uh, float out of my body. And she'd always take me to this uh, imaginary blue lake that's deep, calm and serene. And she would say, my mind is a clear blue lake, deep, calm, and serene. And so I would imagine this. And then she would, if I had any problem, she would say, now, what does the blue lake say? You know, if it had a message for you. And at five years old, you really do believe that this blue lake is talking to you and not realizing that she was really equipping me to do what I was later going to be doing. So my grandmother taught me about guided imagery. She taught me about healing. She was a Christian scientist, science of mind. Um, Her mom was part of, in the late 1800s, Mary Baker Eddy, who was science of mind, um, Christian science, and more of the watered-down version of Ernest Holmes and what now would be agape. You know, you take it new thought. And so it's part of my lineage and my grandma. And then my father, when I was 17, um, from 17 until this moment in time, I've chosen to not use any mind altering drugs. So I'm sober and, um, and it's just, it's just better that way. Yeah. And it's a great thing. So, uh, since 1981 and my dad taught me about meditation and it was more, 
uh, five minute meditations just to tune in, um, utilizing the breath of fire, utilizing breath and yoga. And so he taught me what was what I would call my morning sadhana. So I did that for 12 years, uh, two hours a day. And it's not impressive. Two hours a day. Yes. And it's 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 truly not because I'm disciplined. That's impressive to me. <laughs> That's impressive. But I'm very OCD, so I will ritualize anything. So I just made it like what I did. Yeah. And but what my whole point of meditation has never been TM, and I'm not anti anything. It just didn't call to me. I didn't want TM, tell, uh, I, transcendental meditation. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. And um, I wanted to be able to take my attention, go inside my heart and connect with my still small voice. And when I would do that, then I would start to write. So my morning sadhana really consisted of warming up the body to then get to the place where I wanted to close my eyes and go within. Uh, and I would do a certain practice and then I would journal. So I had been writing from that access to that still small voice, which is a much better that voice. That still small voice, as in still, as like a, like a still within. pond or lake or still, like it's still small. It's like still it's like it's, the, it's that spiritual voice. Yeah. It's the wisest aspect of me. It's that one that will say, don't send that text. Hmm. Don't reply yet. Take a breath. It's okay. My still small voice, my mantra is everything works out. Everything is all right right now. When I come from that place, I can then not be so reactive because I can, I, as one of my little clients said, I can become a human red hot. She, I asked her to <laughs> define what, what her emotions felt like. She was 11 and we did some imagery and she was like, I become a human red hot. And I loved it. And I said, and what would you like to be? She said, a cool quartz crystal. And I loved it. And so- She was 11. 11 years old. So cute. Um, So yeah, so it's connecting to that, one could call it your intuition, your intuitive side. Um, For me, I just define it as your still small voice. And many people in a spiritual community will say that. Yeah. and then writing from that place. And one of the things that I love to do uh, within a, a small group of people is to take them on a journey within to our guide inside, take them within and then um, bring them out in that meditative state and have them journal for about 20, 30 minutes in a group, silent. They're all journaling. Then go outside, move a bit in the sun, just, just and then come back in. And then share from that place and see what what came, and that's wonderful, especially in a group. Yeah, yeah. I've I've spoken here about I've never I don't know if I've mentioned her name, but Kim Gillingham is uh, an acting coach that I've worked with. Who I love, um, and she works. Uh, it's kind of a Jungian approach, dream work. But I've done workshops with her where it, it could be a you know two or three day workshop. And you do a lot of that where you're t- the guided imagery and and you'd be on a mat and then you would do journal work or you would draw something with the opposite hand. Um, and you would never get to the point really where you were sharing it in that context. But the rest of it was there and it was really powerful. Yeah, really it, powerful. it moves stuff and it gets you in touch with stuff that you might intellectually 
be more prone to um, kind of edit, delete, you know, water down, make pretty, put a bow on it. Yeah. And feelings don't want bows. Yeah. They just want to be felt. Yeah. Well, let me ask you something that's practical. How, you know, life gets busy. How have you found it to, or kind of how have you carved this out for yourself to find two hours a day to do this kind of work? Because it sounds amazing to me. And then I, I think, okay, well, when, how, where would I do that? Uh, I do my own version of it, but it always feels like it's somehow, whether it's interrupted or there's too many things to do, sometimes hard to get to a a deep place like that. And you're saying every day that is, that's like a constant for you. Okay. So here, here's for 12 years, I did it. Okay. And then I had a child. Ah, okay. There you go. Then I had a divorce. Then I had to become the full breadwinner. And that's when I felt like uh, all of that went out the window because you don't have a schedule when you have a newborn. So I kept thinking, I'm going to get back to what I did. I'm going to get back to what I did. So I always felt like I was somehow letting myself down. I wasn't living up to, not realizing that there was about to open up for me a whole new way to stay centered. And those 12 years that I did that were my years of not being a mom. They were perfect. It was ideal. I had built the foundation. And so what happened was I, uh, some friends started giving me, um, this is back in the day, cassette tapes to listen to guided meditations. And I had never done that type of guided meditation outside of my grandmother, you know, taking me on a journey or in a workshop. And so I started listening to these and I realized, well, it's not in the morning, but it's right before I pick my son up from school that I'd have this like sweet spot from 1.45 to 2.30. Be like, this is my time (laughs) and my precious. (laughs) And so I would cling to these audios and whether they were subliminal or they were guided, um, I really found them to be super helpful. And then, um, and I have sustained it. Now I've gone back to my practice because my son went off to college and, you know, and I can do my, my time is my own. So I love going back to the longer mornings now. Um, but the guided meditations, I sustained some of my journaling. Um, but to say that I was the most spiritually fit or aligned or any of that in those 18 years, uh-uh, my son's now 24. Um, I just did enough to keep the lights on. Yeah. And that's the truth. Now I'm doing more, but I didn't give it up so that the lights were out. But right. the first 12 years, there was revelation. There were epiphanies with these huge, you know, you've got two hours. What the hell are you going to do? Yeah. Um, and now it's back to that tank is really full again. Yeah. And now it's my time to give, to pour it out. Well, I'm so glad I asked because that is something that I feel and a lot of people that I speak to feel constantly feeling I'm not doing enough. There are many areas where I want to do things and 
often feel that feeling you're talking about of like, I, I can't get there or I'll get there when blah, 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 you know, and, and there's that feeling of catching up, um, which is not a pleasant feeling. Uh, and and you, you said something, I, I actually wrote this down. This was on uh, your website. I love this. Heather facilitates personal workshops designed for overthinkers, overdoers, and overgivers who are over it. So um, I, 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 you know, I'm just thinking of what you said before about the when you were going for the schooling and you kept wanting to do more and more. And they're like, just sit with that for a second. Mm-hmm. It sounds like now you are coaching people that are versions of yourself or exactly. your past self. Yeah, so what do you, how do you, um, how do you coach them? What do you kind of say to them? What, what's your advice for people like that? Well, cons- not that I'm one of those people no, at all. No, of course all, but, not. You know. It's not going to be a session. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's fun to, um, when I, uh, to go back to the overdo, overgive, overthink, who are over it. Um, <clears throat> one of the things being a results coach is people are so goal oriented, and never before in history have we had such a peek into everybody else's success or lack thereof. So we immediately go to the people that are perhaps doing what we're doing, and we look at how many followers, how much engagement. How many comments? Oh, they're viable. But they might be even more viable than a lot of my clients are world famous people. They have no accounts. They have no social media. They have no need to do any of that. So it's all relative. But it's so who even knew what a threat to one's equilibrium it could be to just go on to Facebook Right. Like, you're having a good day. It's a great day. And then someone pops up, hey, I just published my book. Buy it on Amazon. You're like, I haven't finished my book. <laughs> I'm not viable. You know, it's that it's that feeling that wherever you go, it's almost not, you have to put on this armor, this, this jacket of like, I'm enough. You yeah. know, gosh darn it. And I love myself. You know, that yeah, whole yeah. thing. Because we've never had a way to look at the competition, even though, you know, there's no competition, there is competition, people. Let's just be really honest. And where before it was in a magazine, right? In the back, advertisers, yeah. you know, it was the yellow pages. Uh, where else? On a bulletin board. Right now it's on your phone. Thank you. It's yeah. it's just this constant thing that affects our autonomic nervous system. I mean, we are upregulated, which means we're inhaling more than we're exhaling, and we're not recalibrating, we're not allowing the jaw to open and the shoulders to drop. So we're carrying around this stress that then we don't know um, what to do with the thinking, giving, and doing. Because that state of being um, doesn't feel, we're not allowed to just be. And yet in that state of being, um, meandering, pondering, reflecting, um, laying, I, I love to have my clients go to the beach after a session and take their blankets and watch the sunset. I mean, we live, uh, we live in California. We are two miles or a mile from the beach. Yeah. And how many of my clients live right here in this beautiful location? And never. And yeah. they never indulge in nature. 
So a lot of my coaching and a lot of my home play is to go there, to go to a park, to lay down and look at the clouds in the sky and to really allow Mother Earth to nurture you. And to back to your question, the only thing that I have found that really helps people is when we focus more on what you value than on the finish line of something. And if you say, okay, if I value this year health or I value um, order, this year for me is a lot of my stuff is around if I have more order in whether it's Dropbox, as simple as that sounds, but order in how I'm going to delegate something. I then have more peace. Yeah. So it's to focus. Um, I like Mark Waldman's book, Neuro Wisdom. And it's really great for the executive because he talks about things that one can do to um, uh, release stress, like the yawn a really slow yawn and a slow stretch. And then to focus on a power word, whether it's peace or calm or focus or power or strength, but to put those three things together, like the, the slow, I just finished a women's workshop uh, retreat and we were all busting out our yawns. And it's very funny to yawn on purpose at each other. Yeah, you're making it, me want to yawn. Yes, yeah. exactly. And it can be fake, and then all of a sudden it turns into, and you can fake it first, but then you stretch and you do this very slow stretch, and you just feel so good. And then you focus on that one word. You do that for 30 seconds. Yeah. A couple times, like once every hour, and you have really reset and sent a message to your autonomic nervous system that it's safe to go at a slower pace, that there's really no rush. I mean, there really isn't. And it's it's hard to not feel that, the urgency of everyone's text message, the yeah. urgency of seeing seven people that we haven't replied to. Th this is exactly what I was talking to you about before we sat down, which is uh, it's looking around at others with the, the podcast, as I was saying. It's starting to grow. So that now all of a sudden you get into this mode of of well, what's this one doing? What's this one doing? How are they doing? What are they doing? And it and it becomes a heightened anxiety as opposed to a more languid, genuine curiosity that's driving everything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, so how that that's a question. Then what you have a lot of CEOs as your clients, right? A lot of executives, so. Uh, and you also have artists, so you kind of run the gamut. What do you see, two questions, I guess, the links between the two, and then also how do you um, how do you coach the, these CEOs that have tremendous amount of pressure? They have, you know, the, the company, the stock prices, everything relying on their every move and decision. Uh, what is it that you are, the, is it these techniques that you find like the yawn or the power word that you find to be most effective or is there an overall philosophy or is it both? Or is it a combo? What, what's your experience on that? I think if when they leave, they have these techniques to utilize, but the technique in itself would be, I would be bored out of my mind if I were just a technique trainer. Yeah. What I love is what I call 
my um, CEOs, usually they've been there and done that and they have the, they have everything that everyone else is doing their vision board on. Yeah. So they're a walking vision board board. Right. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, where do they go from there? So I talk to them and remember when you're a massage therapist and, um, Rich people get massage. Maybe not now because everything is $39, you know, and you can get your massages at, you know, Massage Envy or this or that. But back in the day, um, I had the privilege of working with people who um, had had hit the pinnacle. I mean, they, they were the house on the hill and the whole thing and the yachts and the this and that. And so I was the kind of person, I was always very inquisitive and I wanted to know how they got to where they got to. And we'd actually sit and have dinner after with the family. And I was very um, annoying, basically, and intrusive. I can see it now um, from my vantage point. But back then, I think they were very sweet and indulgent. Um, I was in my 20s and they were in their 50s. Yeah. And... um, I call it soul retrieval because usually they've gotten to a certain place and now they're either on their first divorce or their second divorce, um, regret of not having really been there with the kids. So there's a lot of regret and there's a lot of soul pain and soul perspective. Then with the artists, it's more really shoring up, not looking at the starving artist, really looking at meaning that's a belief that they'll bring in. And really understanding that sometimes you do need an outside source of income because you don't want the artist to have to carry the burden of bringing home the bacon. Sorry to all you vegans out there. Um, So it can be two different places. And to be able to say to the artist, it's okay to have a day job. You're not a failure if you still need a day job. It's okay. You don't have to. Because sometimes they'll be too quick with magical thinking. And thinking, you know, they got their vision boards and they got this and that. And why isn't it happening? But just having a little day job or something to take that pressure off, then the artist is freer to create. And with my CEOs, I have them go back in time to their childhood of where did they lose time? Sometimes it's fishing. Sometimes it's drawing. Sometimes, and a lot of them are writers. They want to write. So I have them actually come back to those things that their first loves. And that's where we get to then experience more of that childlike, that playfulness that they have forgotten about because they do in one company have 2,800 employees and another company, 1,500. And, yeah. you know, they have three secretaries. And How do they respond to that? Have you found that they've been able to, whether it's... Um walk away from what they were doing or are they continuing doing what they're doing and they're doing this now on the side? Like, or is, is the situation where someone's selling a company and now they're going back and, and, you know, drawing with crayons or, and also have you found them to find new ventures from that new childlike pursuit? Uh, probably all of the above. Some have sold their companies. Um, some have, uh, and, and how we define it is, uh, one of my dear friends, we would go for these walks and we would say, <clears throat> there's like a ghost train that follows our life, that it's the life that we really wish we were living. 
And so here we are on the train of now, of today, and all the passengers or all the people that are in our lives. And then you look to the right or the left or up or down, and you realize, wow, there's this ghost train of the life that I wish I were living. And so in imagery, we start to populate that. We start to fill it in. We start to color it in. What does that look like? And then in time, we start to say, okay, maybe it's five years from now. Maybe it's this. So that um, it's not something that you ignore, but you can sort of, sometimes what they'll do is maybe not give up something, but take instead of a two-week vacation, take three months in another country you know, to start to disengage from that role that has literally um, hijacked their soul. Because sometimes these roles hijack us and we don't even know because when you're that successful, the the egoic hit is like, I don't have it, <laughs> um, but it's pretty profound to have that much respect, control, power, reach, um, uh, choice, like you can just say, "Oh, I like that company. I think I'll I'll purchase it." Yeah. And and really purchase it. Like do something. Yeah. At that amount of money. Um but then you realize you have forgotten how to just be. And how to um as my father, I love this. My my dad's a sweetheart. And when he was really, really busy, he had gone to this healer person and this healer person said, you know, you need to be more spontaneous. My dad's very disciplined. And so my dad, I said, so how was the healer person? He goes, he was great. He said, I'm, I wants me to, you know, be more spontaneous. So I'm going to, I'm scheduled it from one to two 30 on Wednesday. <laughs> and I was like, did, did you hear what you just said? You're scheduling your spontaneity. My brother makes him, has always said that. He's like, you know, Relax, you know, relax from 117 to 121. <laughs> and we need that. I mean, it's yeah. so ridiculous. There's so many, uh, you know, so many so choices that we have nowadays. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, so have you found when when uh, a position, a, a person is in a position of so much choice and success and respect, have you found them to be uh, more statistically, you know, in your experience, more, uh, unhappy or more, or, or more fulfilled than other people that were not like, or do you think it's just kind of varies from person to person? Or have you seen a streak of, wow, everybody that comes in, that's really in this, what everybody else thinks is an incredible position seems to be in crisis in some way, or have they felt like they've owned it and they're living it? What's, you, what's your observation been of, of those people that are at the real pinnacle? Um, the people that I have dealt with have, uh, one person comes to mind, they, they've mostly followed in line of this, is they hit that moment, they got the beach house, they're at their $20 million beach house, and they're standing there and they're only in their mid thirties. I found them in their fifties, but this is their story. And, uh, they have the, the two kids and they're there and they realize they don't feel any different. Nothing feels different because it's all th that crashing What you know, the, the dopamine has passed yeah. the high of we close the deal, we've sold this, we've done that, we've acquired this company, whatever it is, has passed and 
something is still missing. Something is still, there's a yearning still. And so each of them has gone through that by the time they find me, but they haven't known what to do with that. Mm-hmm. They're happily married and some aren't. They're, um, some have already dealt with uh, addictions, so they're sober. Um, a lot of them have already been giving. These are very um, uh, involved in community and charity and they're the things where they want to give. So they've actually checked the box yeah. in so many places. But the place that they don't have peace is um, their inner life. So the conversations that they have within. Hmm. And those are the ones that um, I think are the most important to develop because so much of life is outer. And my thing is that, that inner voice. Yeah. That's, uh, are you familiar with Simon Sinek? Oh, yeah. yeah. Start with why. I, I think it was, it was, I think he had read, it was him. I'm not, hopefully I'm not misquoting it, but that he gathered with a bunch of uh, people like you're describing and they all had this nostalgia for the young, hungry years. And his theory was because when they were in the young, hungry years, they they their why was so intact. And once they reach that goal, that why goes out the door. And now you have to kind of figure out, well, what is it now? What's what's driving me? Because it's that progress that really keeps us. And, and the other thing is that when you're... Um the difference with my surgeons and my lawyers a little bit different than my business people because business people the the more successful you become the more you delegate and then you're managing people and you're leading people but that's not why they got into what they got into they got into it because they had a vision and then they took that vision it was in their garage and what was in their garage they were working 14 hours a day with their focus their hands their feet their you know them doing it now they could delegate that and and outsource that and outsource and so everything is outsourced and then people aren't quite doing it and then you don't really know how to lead or manage but you think it's all going to work out and then you realize this person's lazy now you got a resentment and now you don't so it's all the, and then it just keeps growing yeah and and all of a sudden you are you are managing people and that wasn't what you wanted to do you wanted to blah 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 something else um but with my surgeons um they still stayed in their vein of gold yeah they were still in their and so was that better for them better for them yeah. they they tended to be more um less moody um, but really good at um, investing in real estate and investing in like having their financial people do with their money what they wanted. But they always stayed in what they were doing. And my lawyers are just, they were always my favorite. I, I know people are, they have their own feelings about lawyers, but- um, My dad's a lawyer, so I, I like lawyers. love, I I I love all my clients, but I had- Eight that were every week, and what was it about them that you loved? The conversation was so um, provocative and straightforward and deep, and um, at times challenging. Uh, and they could talk to me about anything. 
because I have kept the integrity of my, you know, client. I'm a vault and, and I, I have a name for it, Blue Room Vault, which is Blue Room. God can't even hear in vault is you can never repeat it. <laughs> and so, um, you know, if anyone has a Blue Room Vault, they just go, okay, Heather, it's Blue Room. And I'm like, got it. Yeah. Um, because trust to me is the number one. So I just love- What was it about the lawyers' minds that you that you think led- to their having such a fresh outlook or whatever it was that you responded to? I think, well, in my lawyers in particular, and none of them were divorce lawyers. So we're not dealing with family, you know, that kind of law. Um, were they litigators? or were they, they were, some were litigators and some were- um, Like tax attorneys or- uh, What was the other thing? Um, uh, contractual. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, oh, that's okay. I'm just yeah. wondering if there was a cer- if there was a certain um, thought pattern that you responded to. That I think that they loved their clients. They really, some of these um, suits that they were in lasted years, you know, because they were very in 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 depth, um, and the level of engagement they were absorbed in their stuff. And so it was like listening to week by week what was going on um, and mo- more what was going on within within them as they were uncovering and looking at stuff. And, you know, I mean, it was amazing. And I, and I just, I love that depth of thinking because right now, I don't know if you've noticed it, but I really feel like we are um, snorkeling through life and no scuba diving. There's just a lot of shallow chit chat, you know, even the way we surf Instagram or Facebook, like, what are we doing? I was on a plane the other day watching this, I mean, just heart, heart, you know, tapping like, tapping like, but there was no, like, was she? Right. I mean, I don't even think, I didn't even see her stop or read or anything. It was just hit, 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 hit. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, this is so, and yet if if we get a, a, a like on our thing, like, oh, they liked it. No, yeah. they're just like passing through. It's, yeah. it's like a, a drive-through like, you know, they didn't even stop to have coffee, you know? And yeah. so I, I just find it, this whole... <laughs> world is so that's so it's so funny you say that just last night i had posted you know the for today's episode that was released and you know you post it and then all of a sudden there's a, a little heart on the bottom and i swear to god it was like i posted it and i want to say it was 0.2 seconds later bing there there were two likes on it and I, and you go wait how did they it's a video that's 41 seconds long they couldn't have even seen it. So they're doing that. Exactly. That's so funny. That's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's part of why I like this format because you get to sit down with someone and really get to know them for a little while instead of just passing through, Hey, what do you do? Oh, meditation. Cool. That's great. Okay. See ya. Right. You know, I, I like that getting a little bit of the nuance and, you know, I get people that are listening like that as well. And, uh, people that are not into that, I guess we'll go to something that's way shorter form. They'll have the snippets. I, I call it, everyone wants a drive-through breakthrough. You know, they- a drive-through breakthrough, yeah. You know, they just want to right there. And, and we're now, people are proposing that. And, and there really is, you can have an epiphany, definitely. You can connect the dot and go, oh, 
this is how I got here. And I call it, you know, that's the inspiration moment. And then they go straight to implementation. Oh, now I know it's the rejection of good old dad or mom or the sister or the brother. And now I'm going to go out there anyway. But there's no integration of, well, wait a minute, all my habits and patterns are geared at protecting myself. So I may have this inspiration that I've been hiding ever since I was 12 when I got my feelings hurt. Right. But and that's where the 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 shtick or the lack of shtick or I'm going to be the brainiac or I'm going to be, you know, the class clown or whatever, all that adaptive behavior comes in. And so many of these which are new and old and old and new cuz nothing is new on the on the earth, but we've got sound baths and we've got breath work and we've got, you know, chakras and we've got meditation and you've got the Akashic records and you've got, you know, it, it could just go on and on and on. And there is such an expectation that we should have insta heal yeah. instead of the integration of learning a practice and then doing it and doing it till you are a master of it. Because you would never ask someone to sit down at the piano in a one-week workshop and then be able to play like Mozart or to be able to play something classical and anything worth doing, anything that's going to give fulfillment is going to require those 10,000 hours, yeah. as Malcolm, yeah. his last name. Um, and those 10,000 no's as... Matthew Del Negro wants to know. <laughs> exactly. But, but yeah, I, I agree with you. That's why I love that image going back to what you said before about the the ghost train yeah. of the life that, that you should be living. And that you said that you start to populate it little by little. And then all of a sudden the shift maybe to that train mm -hmm. is not so abrupt. And you don't have to blow up your life to be on that. You, you've kind of gradually veered into being in that train. Exactly. It sounds like a more incremental approach. Yes. And and when I was getting trained, when I was a professional dancer and I and I hurt my hip to the point where I had to change, um, when I started doing massage, I really did not. I mean, people made fun of me because when I was 20, I looked like I was 12. And someone said, you know, who's going to take you seriously? And I said, everyone, because I'm the best. I mean, I don't know how I was so, you know, ridiculously cocky in that way, but I really knew that I, I was the best. I mean, I had the strongest hands. I knew athletes. I knew the dancers. I knew what they needed in their, you know, with tendonitis and bursitis in their IT band in a way that I wasn't interested in healing. I was interested in people sustaining their gig, you know, being able to do, keep with their craft. And, um, and it took me six years of being a massage therapist before I felt confident that people were actually getting something out of it, you know, that, and it's six years. And then when I became a coach, my first 18 months, um, I really felt uh, like a fraud, like uh, I should just be giving them a massage. Um, and then after 18 months, I started to, again, that word integrate. And realize, oh, wow, I'm actually really good at this. And I'm not really good at that tool that I, I learned. And then that fine tuning, what are you, as my my um, mentor coach now is Dr. David Kruger. And his question is, what are you uniquely good at better than most anyone else? And that's the only thing that you should focus on. 
And, and it's not about what am I better than, you know, how am I better than others? Uh, uh-uh. It's what am I uniquely good at better than most anybody else. And for me, I'm uniquely good at getting people within themselves to listen to that still small voice so that they can gain that clarity and guidance and not be honoring the outside world. Like we, we talked about in the beginning, just saying, you know, this is how it's rolling right now in here. It doesn't have to be like this or that. I, when I do guided meditations, when I teach, I love to use music. I love music to move me emotionally. Music for me surpasses the intellect and it just reaches right in the heart and grabs you and throws you into an image that you weren't even ready for. And other people can say, well, then that's not pure meditation. And I would say, well, that's not pure meditation for you. But for me, I want to have a revelation. I do want to have that feeling of rising above the mundane. I can be in the mundane all the time. I want to be in a different kingdom. I want to go through a different portal to receive maybe guidance and direction that I wouldn't otherwise be have access to because I'm thinking. I'd rather be reimagining my life. As Carl Jung talked about active imagination. Yeah. And that's what he really worked on with his clients, his patients. And um, and that's what I find when when people can journey in here, not just to follow their breath. That's just the warm up. Yeah. And which is great. So important. Um, but to me, it's to be able to access that that deepest inner wellspring so that I can know, like when you, when I got, you know, you know, to do a podcast, I got quiet just to see if it was a yes or a no, because I don't want to say yes to everything. And it was a very much of a yes with a smile on my face. So, and here we are. I paid her to say that in front of everybody. <laughs> a lot of money. $10. Um well, thank you for for being here. I mean, all of everything you're talking about is um, it's a lot of themes that run through a lot of the people that I sit down with. But your perspective is so unique, and actually, the the verbiage you use is so specific. I, that ghost train is staying with me. I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm kind of always filtering filtering this through as an actor and I'm going, oh, that's a great, that's a great image to use for uh, characters that you're playing, that they are a ghost train running parallel to my life. And and what if I were, because it's kind of how you think of it. It's like, well, what if I were in there? That's that Kim... Gillingham, her, t- her question is always, what's my jumping off point with the character? Mm. And it's kind of like, you know, where am I if I'm in, if I'm riding that ghost train, where am I and where is it going? It's different than my life, but there will be similarities. Totally. So it's a really uh, cool image. Um, well, so a uh, couple of couple of questions. I, I won't keep you all afternoon. Um, but I've, I brought a snack. I'm you ready. did okay. So C, you have this C H I that I saw. Uh, comfort, humor, inspiration. I mean, I can kind of you know gather what I think that is, but wh- how do you describe that? And and is that something that's in your mind when you're working with someone? Um, Yes. And, and I, I was facilitating with Carolyn, my coach, one of her trainings, and um, it was 
kind of like, what's your purpose? And I realized I had been coaching by that time for four years and I still hadn't really defined my thing. I've never had to create a niche or um, an avatar or brand or market because my clients would say, call Heather. So I got full within a year. I had a waiting list and massage. And with coaching, I've had full practice one year in. So um, so I've never had to dissect it the way a lot of people try to do in trainings and conferences. So I got really irritated. And, um, so I went outside and I meditated on, you know, what's my thing. And I heard my little still small voice say, write down these words. And so I heard, I heard, and I wrote down comfort. And then I wrote down humor. And then I wrote down inspiration. And he said, it's a he voice within me, go figure, don't ask, um, put those, those letters together. It's chi. Oh. And this is your daily chi. My daily chi is I'm not a very compassionate person. And don't ask me why, because I don't really know. But I'm, You're not? No, but I'm very comforting. It's different. I, I... My, my son calls me his greatest comfort. Couldn't think of anything better. So I love to first and foremost, when people come in, I love to be a place to land and a place of comfort so that all of themselves, you know, all their secrets, all their regrets, all their hopes and dreams, all their accolades are completely safe in, in our room. And then... For me, humor is if we can't laugh at the tragedy, then I am not the coach for you. And in my family, humor is the rainbow over suffering. And we've always said that as a family. And then inspiration is I love to feel my inner pilot light. And I love when people are lit up. And so that's where it came from. And that was in 2007 and it has stuck. And I was so grateful because by the time we all came in from lunch, they then turned to me and they're like, and what's yours, Miss Facilitator? I'm like, comfort, humor, and inspiration, short for chi. And they're like, I love that. I'm like, me too. And Carolyn's going, where did you come up with that? (laughs) Just the- The man in my head told me. (laughs) Exactly. He told me to say it. I don't know what it means, but he told me to say it and write it down. And and with comfort, humor, and inspiration, if every single day my activities in one way, shape, or form honor that, those are my top three values. So if I know that with someone, I am a comfort, with someone, we're laughing our boo-boos off, or it's inspiring, then I'm always on my ghost train rather than trying to get on there. Mm. And I also, um, at a few years in, I stopped working with people that I really wasn't a match for. And I really wasn't professionally suited. I wasn't qualified. But when you're beginning as a coach, you just say yes to everyone. Like brain surgery. Absolutely. I know how to do tapping. You know, I mean, you'll just pull out anything, you know, and not realize wow, there are some people that it's better that I refer them out. So I am the queen of referring out in the last decade. 
because you learn, you learn as you go. And there's a certain gut feeling with certain clients that I didn't realize. It was me realizing I'm not inadequate, but I'm not professionally qualified to deal with what they're representing, what they are bringing in. And so that took time. And I always say to people who are doing this kind of work, it does take a lot of time, you know, and I had some great mentors and don't go at it alone because even though it looks like life coaching or mine is results coaching, um, you're still in people's psyche and you're still going to be up against their resistance. Because if they didn't have resistance or the shadow aspect of themselves, they wouldn't be coming to see you. So it's to really know what are the, what are the things that one needs to do to um, stay in that comfort, humor, and inspiration. And in that, you can see it's not, I, I don't want to be, I'm not a trauma therapist, but there are a lot of people in trauma, so I have people to refer. Yeah. So if I feel like I'm always in that comfort, humor, and inspiration, um, it's that book that says, you know, touch everything, does it bring me joy, does it bring me joy, does it bring me joy? Um, for me is, does this, um, give me more chi, more energy, more of what I want to experience, or does it deplete me? Cause I'm not into it's life is too short. And at this age, what's the point? Who am I living for? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I had something when you were, ah, uh, I, you just, you kind of silenced me. I don't know. I, I had something that, that you said that hit me that completely went out of my head but i i love you just saying that the the does it bring me joy does it bring me joy and if it doesn't i mean you have to really ask yourself like what is the point i mean i worked for 12 years seven days a week because that's the number of massages that i needed to do in order to pay the rent And I couldn't do nine massages in one day in order to have a five-day work week. So that's just how it rolled for me. And there is no martyrdom. I was so grateful to have an unlimited amount of clientele and referrals and standing appointments. It was amazing. And then when I um, started to coach and it became very intense, I then had to pull back and say, okay, wait a minute. Now I feel like a robot. Now I'm at 36 standing appointments, seven days a week. And isn't, is that when your thumb gave out? Exactly. See, that's what I find interesting is that the, the body, your body told you, hey, you're, you're done with this. The body you got to go to the next yes. chapter. The, I always say what Carl Jung says, don't cure symptoms, follow them. Because most people just take a pill, just get a shot instead of don't cure it so quick, follow it. The what is it really is saying? The cure. Yeah. Yeah. And, the... and I realized that with massage, I was really desiring to go deeper into people's psyche and their souls, not just stay at a bad neck. I was more curious than just the tight trapezius and, um, and, and in times I was kind of intrusive, I'm like, hey, what are you picking up? I'm picking up, you know, and they were like, shut up. Um, and then it just became better that I, I switched careers. Yes, and my thumb. Um, and then midway through coaching and sitting, my back became a nightmare. And, and how did that change you? Then I had to go, oh my gosh, am I going to have to quit? Then I started walking with clients. 
And I do walk and talk and we go up, we do into the woods. We meditate on this uh, huge boulder. It's uh, 22 minutes away from my office. And that's, that's the point of this podcast, that the, you've said it without me asking, you, you know, there have been, you were a dancer and then your hip, you were a massage therapist and then your thumb, you were a sitting coach and then you began walking because you're back. That's, that's it. That's, that's, it, it seems as though everything kind of told you what the next step was. Completely. And you seem to be following it in a way that you're very open to it. And I guess we could bring it full circle, which is where do you see yourself going from here? Do you think you're on this path or you don't know? Do you just remain open to inspiration and see where you could take your practice and where you could take, are you locked into this is the way you do it? And right now you're, you have an interview and this is how you do it. But do you foresee in five years, I could talk to you again and you'd say, oh, since then I actually did such and such. Yeah, no, I'm, I am a, um, a creature of habit who gets bored. So it's a kind of a quagmire because I do love ritual. And I, my thing is, um, I, I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm watching the clock when I'm doing anything. I want to feel like time is intrusive. I don't want time to, you know, I want to be able to stay in with what I'm doing. And so I'm in the process now of um, seeing what's possible on the internet and, you know, opening up to more groups that aren't facilitated or, uh, yeah, facilitated by my own clients. Because my clients will say, Heather, I'm going to have 30 people come over, you know, facilitate a journey for us. And because of Unplug um, Meditation and um, the CEO, Susie, she has opened up. Shout a- out to Susie Yaloff-Schwartz for yeah. bringing you here. She's, oh my she's God. the one who told me about you. She, Sorry, go on. She to- just changed my world. My clients had booked her uh, first of its kind meditation studio in Los Angeles. And they booked me, they, they, they booked the room. And then I created a, a journey for their friends. And then I met Susie and she said, oh, you should teach at my studio. I'm like, yeah, never going to happen. And then I see her maybe a month later or two months, whenever, and I'm there for another event that I'm leading. And she's like, are you sure you don't want to teach? I'm like, oh, I'm pretty positive. Not happening. <laughs> and then I see her again. And um, and she said, I, I, I just think, and I don't, I've never been a teacher. That's not my thing. I facilitate a journey inside. There's a big difference between being a teacher teacher. And I told her, I said, I don't, I don't teach. I take people on journeys. And she said, well, you should do it here. And so novel concept, I decided to meditate on it. (laughs) And, um, I did get that it would be fun. And so, uh, to date, um, it's been three years that I've been teaching there and it is just a highlight of my week. I love it because each week it's new, it's different, um, and it's something that I never saw coming in. 
And I, in terms of one-on-one people, I think I'll always sustain that one-on-one. I might do less per week, changing my schedule up, but always staying with what keeps, as my father is a jazz musician, what keeps my chops is because he was a trumpet player. What what sharpens my my skill set is the one-on-one. Yeah. Because the other is more detached when you're leading a group of 50 or 100 people. Yeah. It's more, you're, you're kind of doing what you do, um, which I love. But when you're one-on-one, you're really fine-tuning those words or phrases or pauses, yeah. you know, to help people open up. Well, I was going to ask you and to to end it, but I almost wonder if you just answered it, what your definition of success is. But it sounds like, would you say maybe it's it's exactly that, what you're doing, which is continue to do something that's inspiring you or firing you up. And, yeah. that's, and that's success or how would you define it? I would think that that would be. It's to... Um, Basically, to bring everyone back to that still small voice, that would be that's when I light up is to see people connected more to the soulful experience than the role and the goal, because the role is CEO. But what's the soul that drives it? Who warms the sun? As they said in one sitcom, I can't remember which it was, but I remember just going, wow, who warms the sun? And it's, you know, if we're all out there doing and hustling and got that, that, you know, wait a minute, who's, what's warming our soul? Or is our soul just in the background, just waiting for us to stop and pause and ask? And so that's, that's, um, and I, and I will only do things that light me up because that's all I've been um, guided with my family to do is that which is taps into that inner wellspring. And um, yeah. Great answer. It's a great place to stop. I can't top it. So that's we just stop when I can't top. <laughs> thank you so thank much you. for being here today. Thank Heather you Heather Hayward, for me. really, thank you. Um, and where can people find you? Uh, you know, like social media or any of that. <laughs> now that we're talking. About, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Please like me. Um, <laughs> I'm on Instagram, Heather.Hayward, H-A-Y-W-A-R-D, and then HeatherHayward.com. Awesome. And I'm actually starting um, with my son uh, a membership site for the working professional entrepreneurial people called One Soul Stream. And it will be a place where... You can just um, get closer to your soul and unbitch yourself too. All right, you heard it. Go, go, follow Heather, and thank you really for being here. Appreciate thank it. you. All right, all right, guys. Thanks for sticking it out through yet another one. Uh, there's going to be one next Friday, but um, I just wanted to reflect on the conversation with Heather. There were so many things you can you can pull away from that conversation, but uh, probably the biggest for me is what Heather said about that voice inside. And it really it doesn't matter, you know, what kind of car or yacht or boat or house or how immense your bank account is. It's it, you know what awards you've won, all of it. Uh, it's the inner voice. What is that voice inside your head saying? And do you feel fulfilled? And do you feel like you have purpose uh, on this earth? 
that really counts. And you can do that with all of those things or without. It's it's almost irrelevant. Probably a lot easier with all of the things, but no, that's even questionable. Um, so that that's that's that was my number one takeaway. And um, I also want to remind you, if you are are liking this, thank you for being here. By the way, if you're not subscribed, go to iTunes and Spotify and subscribe so you can get these episodes downloaded. And uh, you can also listen at 10,000knows.com. If you want, if you have questions or suggestions, you can email us, excuse me, at info at 10,000knows.com. And um, please spread the word. That would be great. I mean, the main intent here is to not only entertain people, but also encourage people to keep going, follow their dreams, even if it's one step a day. We all get knocked down, but it doesn't mean we have to get knocked out. So uh, take that with you into your day, on your drive, on your walk, wherever it is. And we will see you next Friday when the next episode drops. And thanks again for being here. 